Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the final Christmas special for Second Take Cinema, coming to you from the winter wonderland that is the Impala Films headquarters in snowy Southend-on-Sea. Today, we are going back to 1994, as we give a second take to Tim Allen vehicle, The Santa Claus. That's right, today, ladies and gentlemen, we are reviewing The Santa Claus from 1994. As always, I am your host, Jamie Evans, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Rory Jocelyn. Hello, everyone. I, do, I don't know <laughs> if it's just because we're tired. We've done a few today. Um, but <laughs> you're, it's the way you're saying it is giving it such gravitas, and it's the bloody Santa Claus. <laughs> So this movie, most people have heard of The Santa Claus, but it's from 1994. It is directed by John Pasquin, written by Leo Benevenuti and Steve Rudnick. Uh, it's the first instalment in the Santa Claus franchise, starring Tim Allen, Judge Reinhold, Wendy Crewson, David Krumholtz, and Peter Boyle, who I will admit I had forgotten was in this movie. It is a Disney movie, distributed by Buena Vista. And... It comes in at a nice tight 97 minutes. It was made for a budget of $22 million mm. and grossed $190.3 million. Right. So it was a success. In its opening weekend, it finished second at the US box office, beaten only by Interview with the Vampire, uh, then dropped to third, uh, third for its second weekend, and then made a bunch of money over the uh, Thanksgiving period and i did not realize this it was re-released during the covid19 pandemic really in november um, 2020 what, on disney plus no in theaters in november of 2020 with the covid19 pandemic limiting the amount of new films being released the santa claus was re-released into 1581 theaters grossing an additional 711000 dollars which is not bad considering that that is 16 years after it was released hang on 2000 no 2004 2014 another six 26 years after it came out 
Jesus, we're getting old, Rory. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's also been played on AMC at Christmas time, where it got record viewing figures. On Rotten Tomatoes, the film holds an approval rating of 73%, with the critical consensus reading, The Santa Claus is utterly undemanding, but it's firmly rooted in the sort of good old-fashioned holiday spirit missing from too many modern Yuletide films. And there doesn't seem to be a lot of... Uh, Obviously, I'm sure there are people who dislike this film, but um, Wikipedia doesn't seem to be listing any uh, opposing opinions, so I'm afraid we can't report them. Mm. Anywho, yeah. this is a film I added to this. I think I chose all the Christmas films this year, I think. Yes, you did. Yes. Uh, because you were not familiar with this film, is that right? Yes, that's right. To be fair... I, I was in you'd to... not seen it, you've heard of it before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't watch a lot of Christmas films. I never have done. Um, I mean, I was yeah, eight when this came out. and I Confirmed I Rory it. hates Christmas. <laughs> I, I just never really believed in the bullshit, but okay. It's. I, I was over center by the time I was like f- six, at least. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was. It didn't yeah, bother me. To, I knew what fair. it was. I knew it was something nice for us to believe in, mm. but I didn't believe in it past the age oh, of yeah. six. It, I figured it out. It's, oh, yeah. I don't think I believed in it past about six yeah. because, to be honest, my parents didn't exactly even try to hide <laughs> it, really. I mean, they used to just leave all the presents up on the, on the wardrobe in their bedroom. Yeah. And um, they weren't exactly... I mean, we didn't live in a big house, so they weren't exactly sneaky yes. about taking the presents downstairs. <clears throat> but it's still a nice... Story, a fantasy. It's a nice emotion to have as well. Um, I think I actually agree with that review. There's a lot of modern Christmas movies, some that we've covered. In fact, one that came out this very same year uh, where it doesn't have that jingle all the way. Yeah. It doesn't have the magic to it. Jingle all the way just feels like blatant commercialism. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And this has the first one, at least. I have not seen the second one in a very long time and I've never seen the third one or the series. This first one actually has a sense of magic to it. And I think that comes from the fact that if you remove all of the magical Santa Claus elements, at the core of this is a very human story. Yeah. And that's when fantasy always works the best, is when the core is a human story. And then the fantasy, and all the fantasy elements come on top, or yeah. or or any fantastical genre. Horror's the same. Yeah. Um, sci-fi is the same. Yeah. Yeah. There's always got to be a, a human grounded core, mm. and then you can build as much magic on top of that as you like. Which seems to be the thing a lot of modern films are missing. Well, they because the thing is a lot of problem. One of the other problems with modern films is there's a lot of I keep saying this word, but bathos. Whenever they include anything magical, they have to then mock it for existing within the... Oh, that's silly, but, you know, we're we're doing it, but let's just say how silly it is that we're doing it. And that's fine to a certain level. Like, things, things like Deadpool, it makes sense. But sometimes it just ruins your stakes. Sometimes it just ruins the magic of the film you're trying to make. Not every film needs to be a tongue-in-cheek like, look at this bullshit we're selling, but buy it anyway, yeah? Sometimes it's okay to not be cynical. Yeah. Yeah, I think that might be the uh, a much more concise way of saying what I was saying. <laughs> so to That's sum- the problem with me, I'm not concise. <laughs> so, to sum up the plot for anyone who isn't aware, uh, Tim Allen plays Scott Calvin, who is a divorced father, 
whose wife has moved on with another guy named Neil, played by Judge Reinhold. Uh, I don't think they're married necessarily, but they it, it, we get the impression they've been together for some time. Yeah, we don't know why this couple split up either, but no. I suppose it's not it's not overly important to the storyline. Um, but yeah, we don't know why they split. We don't know what caused the split. It, there's usually in these films, it's like in Liar Liar, for example. There's a specific trait of, you know, because of... Daddy Jim was working too hard. But he was working too hard and he was banging the women in his office. Oh, is that why it is in Liar Liar? Yeah, yeah. Right. So, and he, you know, he was lying about that um, at that time. So there's there's things like that. Usually, whenever there's a, a parental split, there's an attempt to explain why the split happened and who was at fault. Mm. It's kind of... It surprised me, actually. I was expecting there to be... Like either she cheated or he cheated yeah. or something went wrong. But no, it, there's no explanation for it. It doesn't really need it for the story to work. No, because you undermine... The, the minute you assign blame, you undermine this story, I think. Yeah. And uh, anyway, his son kind of isn't super excited to spend time with him. Uh, we get the idea because his dad's a bit of a workaholic. He works in a toy factory. He's a little bit of a... Uh, not a screw-up necessarily, but... He's not a festive type of person. If you look at his house, yeah. it's very minimalist and yeah. clean. It's not very child. Yeah. Like, it's, there's not a lot of fun colours and things like yeah. that that kids would be drawn to. Um, he doesn't like Neil, <laughs> which makes sense. Neil is a psychiatrist. Uh, that will become psycho. <laughs> no, that will be relevant later. And right from the beginning, we know that Tim Allen's got beef with him because every time someone refers to Neil as a doctor, he, he goes, is. "He's not a real doctor; he's a psychiatrist." But there's also, to be fair, Neil doesn't help his own situation because there's several times in this film where he's just an outright dick. Right from the off, there's a point where uh, she, the ex-wife, goes into the house to you know say goodbye to the kid. And then he just, like, within five seconds starts honking the horn like mad. Like, come on, time to go in late. Yeah, we've got to be somewhere, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, dude, it's not your kid. She wants to say goodbye to her kid. Get stuffed. Yeah. You know, it's like... (laughs) Um, Anyway, long story short, he ends up fucking up Christmas dinner. So they end up going out to Denny's. Later that night, he is awoken by a noise on the roof. And he goes outside in his underwear um, and startles Santa Claus. Yes. Who, who slips and falls off the roof and dies. Yes, this lovely Christmas film pretty much starts with Santa Claus dying. <laughs> now, where this story goes is that basically whoever wears the clothes beca- dons the mantle and becomes Santa Claus. Yeah, right? you should love this title. It's a pun title. Playing on Santa Claus and Santa Claus. Yeah, but it was done much better by uh, Chico Marx. Who the fuck is Chico Marx? One of the Marx brothers. Oh, is he like the shit, no talent one? They were all Yeah, yeah there's like a third Hemsworth brother that no one no, knows. So, okay, so you're thinking of Zeppo Marx, uh. who's the fourth Marx brother. Um, but no, Chico was the one who pretended to be Italian. Uh, and they even called it out on several of their films. But anyway, uh, there's one where he, he he's talking about... Uh, they've seen A Night at the Opera. He's talking about a contract with Groucho... And they're like tearing different pieces out. And he goes, hang on, what's this? I don't know what this is. He goes, oh, that's standard in every contract. That's 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 a sanity clause. He goes, hey, hey you can't fool me. There is no sanity clause. Better joke. That's not a better joke. <laughs> when it's told by the Marx Brothers, it's a better joke. We'll see, because I assume we're going to do that film at some point. Well, it's a classic. So when yeah. we reach season 20 of 
Second texting around. Why? We've, why we've are we... done every film in existence. We've done zombie strippers. We can make time for an actual movie from the 1950s, uh, 1930s and 40s. Okay, zombie strippers. So we haven't done zombie strippers yet in the audience's mind. Oh, have we not? It's not coming out till next year. Oh, now. okay. You didn't tell me that. Uh, yeah, that's one of the ones that's had to be pushed. Right, okay. Um, it's okay. We've referred to a few that we've had to well, be pushed. Well, so. at least I haven't gotten to mention strippers somehow in a Christmas movie, yes. so I'm happy with that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm just making a joke about the fact that by the time we're at season 20, we'll have done every film in existence. Probably. When, <laughs> when we're at season 20, we're having to watch Human Centipede 3, because we've got nothing else to watch. We'll have to create our own films like, to watch. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should become like those people who try and hunt down unreleased films. Oh my god, we'll break into Warner. Well, I've got Megaville. We'll have to break into um whichever studio vault has it to watch is it Jerry Lewis who's got that really infamous unreleased film? Oh, I've not heard of it. Oh, so basically, I might be making this all up. So, take this with <laughs> a pinch of salt, listeners. But Jerry Lewis, I'm sure it was Jerry Lewis, made a film that's called something like The Sad Clown or something like that. Right. And it's about a clown during the Holocaust. Oh. And the film never came out. And I don't know if it never came out because it's so bad or it's so offensive or what. I, I don't know, but it, it never got released. Um, and there's a few films like that. There's quite a few throughout history. Films that are actually made, mm. they're done. There's a lot of films like um, that. I mean, recently, Warner Brothers have announced they're never releasing Batgirl, haven't they? Um, there is another example. I'm trying to think of a very famous example. Oh, what is it? It's a film that people were really waiting for and it got finished and it's never coming out. It was another Warner Brothers one, wasn't it? Yeah. Warner Brothers are doing this a lot lately. Eventually... No, this is an old film. It is Warner Brothers, oh. though, but it's an older film. It's I know not... I know Warner Brothers, um, when they did the film Gaslight, they tried to... Destroy de- the original, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, so the original was a 1940s British film, and then they remade it in 1944 with the most famous cast, is that... including Angela Lansbury. Is that the one? I saw a clip the other day. I don't know if it's from the film Gaslight, but it was the ultimate example of gaslighting. Right. It's from a, it is from like a classic style film where the acting's very like, ooh. Ah. Yeah, sure. There's a man in bed with a girl and then his wife walks in. And and it, like there's no doubt like she's literally looking straight at him mm. and this other woman in the bed. And she goes, I can't remember his name so we're going to call him Ronald. Mm. Ronald, who's that? And he goes, who? And she goes, that, that woman. And he gets out of bed and starts getting dressed. The woman starts getting dressed. And she's going, who is that? And he's going, who? And she's going, that woman there. And he's like, what woman? <laughs> and he's just denying oh. that this woman's in the room. I mean, I've is not, that Gaslight? I, here's the thing. I've not yet watched. I've got Gaslight on Blu-ray. And it, it comes with the original 1940s one. But I've not watched either yet. Um, I'm really looking forward to watching it because it's yeah. one that I've wanted to watch. Because it's the one that created the term gaslighting. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I I I don't know. Oh, cool. We'll <laughs> is the to, truth. Fair enough. We'll have to watch it. At some There's point. plenty of films. There's a a film called a 1937 film. I think it's called called Black Legion with Gregory Peck. Um. Oh, I like Gregory Peck. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's basically an anti-racism movie hmm. from 1937 about a guy who ends up getting embroiled in the Black Legion, which is an anti-black fascist organization in america right but he doesn't realize that at first he thinks oh, okay. it's like a political thing um 
is just like, oh no, because they, that's how they sell themselves, isn't it? It's like, no, 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 we're not racist. No, no, we're, we're not just, racist. We're just yeah, a we're, political organisation. Yeah, we just don't believe in, you know, a couple of things that the government is. You so know, it's blah, just blah, a blah. coincidence you're all skinheads. Yeah. Yes. So I'm really interested in watching that. But again, I've got it and I haven't yet watched it. Yeah. It's oh, part mate, of my pantheon of you, backlog. Do you have any idea how many DVDs I've had for 10 plus years and that I've been meaning yet. to get around to and I haven't? <laughs> anyway, Tim Allen accidentally scares Santa. He falls off the roof and dies. Um, Santa Claus picks up a card and on the back of the card it says, if anything should happen to me, put on the suit and the reindeer will know what to do. He looks upon his roof, and boom, there's a fucking sleigh with the reindeer on it. By the way, we never get any more of this story, though, of the fact that some kid has now not got a dad. Well, that's, yeah, the assumption... Yeah, because the assumption would have to be, surely, that this cycle has been going on for ages. Like, there would have been a Santa before that Santa. But to be fair, that Santa could have been Santa for... A year. Hundreds of years. Or one And year. his actual family may be dead. Who knows? Well, it's devastated that they live forever. And, point. and also, they have a Good normal point. life for 11 months. And then Good they point. That go... is just in a... No, 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 no. No. Only for their first year do they get the normal life for 11 months. Oh, okay. Because I'm fear... Cause then he says... Because he says you've got 11 months to get your affairs in order. Oh, I see. And then right. you move to the North Pole on Thanksgiving. Right. Um, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, think, you are right. Because if I remember right, the conflict in the set, the the family conflict in the second one, if I'm remembering right, uh, his son's a teenager by that point, and he's basically become like a rebel teenager because he never sees his dad, and he's like, "You don't care about me. You only care about all these other kids." So he kind of un- Sha- should have shaken your damn bauble, boy. So he, he kind of unlearns the lesson that he learns in this one about how he can't be selfish. But yeah. anyway. Anyway. But the other, thing, the other thing is, is this cycle kind of gets screwed over if no one puts on the costume. Because let's be honest, if someone died in your front garden, would you put on their clothes? No, and to be <laughs> fair, to be fair, he doesn't at first. No, he doesn't. He no. goes up, gets in the sleigh, the sleigh goes, and it's only when they get to the house. By which point, I probably would put it on, because you've got context clues at that point. That he is Santa. That it's real. Um, anyway, he ends up being Santa for a night and, you know, fumbling his way through it. Uh, he wakes up one little girl who says, why don't you drink the glass of milk? And he lies and says, I'm lactose intolerant. Yeah. Um, and we also see him delivering a kayak, which was a lovely little practical effect. Something that annoys me in this film, though, none of the presents are ever wrapped. Yeah, that's a bit weird, isn't it? I'm like, I don't understand why the costume department didn't just put boxes Prop with... department. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Just just do that. Like, well, why did you make your life harder? Yeah, well, I, yeah, I, I'm not sure why they chose that. That would be interesting to know if we could find out. Um, I don't know, maybe there's an interview somewhere with someone where they explain that decision. Mm, um, I would be or maybe there's brand deals. No, because you don't see branding on anything except... Like, oh, that's a good point. I think the only thing you see branding on is the Oscar Mayer... Wiener. Wiener whistle. Yeah. But that wasn't that that was that was wrapped and yet to unwrap it. Yeah. So <laughs> it makes no sense. No. Um once he's finished for the night, uh the sleigh automatically flies him all the way to the North Pole. With his son. With his son, where they meet the elves. And one thing I like about this is um the elves are all played by children. Yeah. Which gives it a really weird surreal magical feeling because all the elves talk about being hundreds of years old don't they yeah but they all look like they're eight or nine yeah 
um, which I thought was, I, I don't know, I think it works quite well, actually, that um, it gives it a weird little magical quality, but also an innocence to it. I think it definitely lends it an innocence. Like, you could have done it with, like, um, short actors. Um, like Warwick Davis and Vern yeah, Troyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it would have been, a, I think it still would have worked, but I think it would have been a different tone of magic. Yes. Uh, I think by having it as kids, it keeps the magic alive for children. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, no, I, d I don't hate that choice. I d it did make me laugh at first. I was like, these, "These are these aren't elves. These are these are actual children. Like, this is this is child slavery." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> I quite like the North Pole set as well. It's very yes. obvi It very obviously is a set, mm, but it doesn't um, matter because it's a magical set. Even when they're outdoors, yeah, it's very obviously a set. Oh, very clear. Yeah, but it's just. And I know this is giving it credit for something that didn't happen until after it came out. But it's just so nice to see sets in films, man. Yes. It yes. really is. Like, we're at a point where I don't think people build sets at all anymore, really. Everything's bloody green screen CGI now. It's disturbing. Um, <laughs> I have to say, the, the worst looking parts of this film are the CGI. Yeah. There's a few points of CGI in this film when, uh, whenever the reindeer move the sleigh, there's a few, there's quite a few elements where that CGI reindeer and and it looks awful. Yeah. And I know oh, we're talking oh, about 1994 CGI, yeah. but just don't do it that way. Then only the, f it never looks good. Only the first time looks truly bad because it's filmed in close up. Yeah, and that's a mistake. If, yeah, for 1994 CGI, don't yeah. do close-up. I actually think they they get away with it when it's the long shots looking down on the I town. I mean, it still looks It's off. still not great, no. but it's not egregious. The first time where it first comes off the roof. Yeah, and it flies looks, straight towards you. Yeah, looks terrible. Yeah. Um, and him going down the chimneys looks terrible. That's yeah. the other big CGI effect they do. Yeah, and they um, they, they have the um, chimneys like sh change shape sometimes. Sometimes the, yeah. the chimneys change shape, and sometimes they don't. There's no actual sort of hard and fast rule on yeah, that. Yeah, sometimes they move, and sometimes he morphs. Yeah, and goes small. Um, the only other big visual effect is they do a bit where he shaves off his beard, and it immediately grows back. That looks trash. And, yeah, that was that looks about what I would expect for 1994. Yeah, to level. be fair, for 94, it probably didn't look as bad. It's it's they would have been better off, but it would have been more difficult, I guess. Just blending between two shots, one where yeah. he was clean shaven, one with the beard. Or, or he, honestly, do you know what I would do back in 1994? Shave, 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 he's in the mirror, okay, clean. Camera follows him putting the razor down, pans yes. back up, the beard's there again. That would have been great. And you just, you just, two shots shot. yeah. cut together. Yeah, that would have been brilliant. That, um, yeah, actually, screw what I said. That's yeah, the way to do I it. I know that's not the magic. They obviously wanted the magic of seeing it physically happen. The problem is the CGI. This is the one thing that CGI actually took the magic away a little bit for me. Yeah. But to be fair, thinking, putting myself in the shoes of kids at the time, I bet they probably wouldn't have cared. They Maybe probably would have been like, wow. Now, this was Tim Allen's first sort of main feature film role, I think. One of his earliest, at least. Uh, this the is a Toy Story Disney. of the same year, aren't they? Yeah. Obviously, Toy so... Story is a voice role, not a live acting yeah. role. But so this is late. This is November 94 this comes out. Yeah. So I reckon he probably recorded probably his voice Toy lines Story. for Toy Story. Yeah. Because Toy Story is 94, isn't it? I believe so. Um, it's... It might be 95, actually, Toy Story. It's 95. 
95. Yeah. So, so actually, he would have done this and then probably gone... See, I reckon this is his first contract with Disney. Yeah. Well, 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 yeah. Technically, Home Improvement Home is improvement with a Disney 91. affiliate. Yeah. Because I ABC don't know... is owned by Disney. Yeah. I don't know what he did prior to 91. I know he was a stand-up comedian. I think stand-up years, yeah, so, but I don't, I don't know if he did anything else with ABC or Disney prior to Home, Impro- Home Improvement in 1991. Um, but yeah, that's that. Let's be honest. Home Improvement is the first sort of main thing he was known for. Yes. He then got this that made him bigger. Yeah. And then he did Toy Story, and basically that was it. It was off yeah. to the races. Tim Allen was a, a not not necessarily triple A list star, but he was definitely an A list star. Oh, definitely um, for a little while there. Yeah. Uh, he fucked all that up by dealing cocaine and going to jail for a bit. I think he did that before he did he, Home Improvement. He got caught again in the late 90s. Oh, did he? Yeah, he derailed his career for a little bit. Right. Um, that explains yeah, why it took been, eight years to do a, the sequel to this. Yeah, he's been arrested multiple times, Tim Allen. Ah, um, okay. Yeah. I mean, this isn't his best film, um, but it's it's not Wild Hogs, mate. This is better than Wild this Hogs. This is not as good as Wild Hogs. No, this I actually this preferred is, this. This had more heart than Wild Hogs did. Wild Hogs was funnier and better. Wild Hogs is funnier... But it didn't have nearly as much heart as this did. I mean, yeah, I mean, and I ch- actually, I actually think this is a better acting performance as well. I don't, personally, there's more variance in his performance here. I think, but he is whereas the main he, lead, whereas in Wild, Wild Hogs, Hogs is an part of an ensemble. Yeah, yeah. In Wild Hogs, I felt that he is one gear for the whole film. Right. Whereas this, you know, we get to see what you would probably call the typical Tim Allen shtick, yeah. where it's the sort of you know somewhat impatient dad we get to see an actual emotional side to him like at, so, at a certain point in this film he loses his son like yeah. the, the courts rule that he no longer has visitation rights and it it works it actually works as a it, like it it feels like an emotional oh yeah yeah i think that's more to do with the, the types of stories they are though um, so I guess I guess your preference would be based on what type of story you'd rather watch. I do know that you're not particularly into biker movies, mm. so um, you know maybe. And I am, so maybe that's that's where that variance comes from. I couldn't really give too much of a shit about Santa Claus. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I could. Yeah, I'm guessing that there's more personal. Your personal opinion probably changes a lot on what you think is his best. I do know. Obviously, we've talked about this before when we did our Wild Hogs episode. Though there is a big hate campaign on tim allen in at least it's fashionable to dislike him isn't it yeah and I, I i think that's unfair you know whether or not you like the man himself is one thing you know fine um but in general he's done i mean buzz lightyear is a great performance mm. this is a great performance to be fair from tim allen um and i like his performance in wild hogs but i, I actually do concede what you were saying there's there's more layers to his performance mm. in this because he is the main star rather than just an ensemble piece yeah um but yeah i i've never been disappointed in a tim allen performance uh other than maybe the fact that he's done cocaine but then i suppose most people in hollywood are that's, open not, that's not one cocaine. of his performances though is it no that's his person that's separate the art from the artist yeah 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 there's, um, there's certainly people who've done far worse and we still watch their films yeah so this film has a weird bit in it that i would like to talk about yeah which is when he first starts his physical transformation into santa claus yes 
uh, he obviously starts by gaining a bit of weight because, you know, Santa has a belly like a bowl full of jelly. Yep. And he goes into a work meeting and everyone's acting like he's gotten dead wind. Don't get me wrong, he has. Like, he goes in, he orders shitloads of food. He has visibly uh, put on weight as well. And he's changed personality as well because he's gone from being quite a cold, hard corporate salesman type to actually, we see he cares about Santa's image and the kids yes. because they're, they're pitching an advert that has Santa riding in a tank. Yeah, and also the, the product itself, outside of being Santa in a tank, is a product that is built to fail so that you have to pay for the extra to get you it You have repaired. to buy parts every few weeks. Yeah. yeah, and he's like, well, why don't we just build a, a you know, a, a working toy that inspires education and things like that. And they're like, yeah, something a bit wrong with you. But when yeah. his boss but, calls him out, he doesn't go, your personality's changed. He's like, you've got, you put on weight, you've got fat. This is the thing. Like, the, the whole focus is not that his personality's changed. It's that he's gotten fat. Yeah. And that's such a weird thing to focus on. Yeah. It's like, out, it's like he's acting completely against character. And all you care about is he's gained some weight. Yeah. It's like shallow. If you were slim in a suit saying this shit, maybe we'd give you a bit more screen time. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because you were Tubby boy, get out. <laughs> it's like pretty much. But this was something that was a lot more common in the 90s. Obviously, fat shaming was kind of standard. Mm. Uncle Phil in Fresh Prince of Bel-Air got it all the time. Uh, again, it happens in this. It happens in, uh, well, Austin Powers does it with Fat Bastard. Mm. It's very common that if someone... Eat, and they don't have to be even super obese. It, like, it, it could be that someone... It's just someone who's fatter than the norm. Yeah. And it's like, look at that fat guy. You know, Cartman from South Park. It's constant, like, just the idea that someone is fat, therefore they are rotund. Even yeah. just because they're above average. They're a lesser person because they're bigger. Yeah, and the jokes, it was absolutely fine to rip on someone for that. Which With is the, the most ridiculous thing. Yeah. Especially when you consider that that's a thing that's actually changed in society. Because once upon a time, larger people were considered better in society than thinner people. There was a because beauty the standard I, to it, wasn't it? Because yeah. people Well, the idea was you weight. were affluent. Yes. The idea was if you were larger, it was because you were wealthy. Yeah. Because other people couldn't afford food. Yeah. And then it it switched during the... Uh, after Because it switched from about 1970 onwards. It yeah. got to the point where it was really skinny. Certainly yeah. by the 90s, that super skinny. That peaked in the was, 90s, yeah. yeah. 90s, uh, the Paris Hilton era is when it yeah. peaked, where the fashion was be as rail thin as you can possibly be. Yeah, be and that's when you had people doing all sorts of dangerous shit yeah. to try and keep skinny. Yeah. Now, But you've also got the body positivity movement, like uh, mm. the fat shaming thing yeah. has uh, came in within the last the problem sort of 10, is, 15 we've years. Gone, we've gone too far the other way now where we've... The problem with everything... This is not what you want to hear at Christmas, but I'm just going to no. quickly get on my soapbox. The problem with any beauty standard is it never takes into account that actually there's a million different body types. Yep. A million different preferences. Yep. Everyone's beautiful to somebody. And it tries to force everybody into a single... Thing and then a lot of people try and take shortcuts or hurt themselves. So for men at the minute, there's a real and, and to be fair, actually women as well. There's this like toxic gym culture. Now right. I'm not saying I'm not saying we should uh, demonize working out. Working out's a very good thing, despite the fact I'm fat as fuck. I actually like going to the gym. Yeah. Um. I just 
don't get a lot of time to do it and that's my fault um but at the minute there's a real hard thing where it's if you're not ripped you're a piece of shit sort of thing yeah and people are going and getting surgeries and all sorts like there's some dude online i don't know his name and i'm not going to name him even if i did because that's not fair but some dude's gone and had like peck implants put in right and like ab implants but if you get fat all you've got is fake abs on, on top fat. of the fat which is what he's got right he's not thin right um all these these dudes who inject synthol oil into their muscles oh um, and then the muscles explode Oh, no. Yeah. Um, or, you know, you've got... There, there was a woman who died recently, a fairly young woman. She was a model, one of these, like, Instagram models. And she had, I think it was, like, her fourth BBL. BBL? Uh, Brazilian butt lift. Oh. And she'd got it done in some, like, back alley clinic. Oh, damn. And died. And she was only, like, 32 or 33 or something. Uh, no age at all to be dying. No. Anyway... Uh, that was just a weird part of the film. It's not the focus of the film. No, but it was. It was. It's one of those points. I, I think we're going to get this when we cover Ace Ventura, and it gets the sort of transphobic ending. Um, you know, it's a part of the film which seemed absolutely normal in the nineties, and would yeah. have been considered fine. But when we watch it nowadays with more modern sensibilities, mm. really show it stands out as an odd piece. The Friends Nanny episode, the one with the male nanny. Yes, and Ross being like, "But you're a man." Yeah, like, but back back then nannies. that felt fine. Yeah, because lots of people, and to be fair, there's lots of people now still have that opinion. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's it's a girl's a, job. It's a girl's thing. job. It's not a man's job. And what I don't like about that is there's also a weird assumption that any man who would want to do that job must be a perv in some way. Yeah, there's something wrong with them. And it's like, around. okay, they're either um, they're either gay or they're overly effeminate or there's something dis yeah. disturbing about them. So I want to talk about Neil in this film, the Judge Reinhold character. Yes. And the reason I want to talk about Neil is because he is the part of the film that I think the script is most confused about because the script, at certain points, represents him as a very good stepdad who actually cares for Char Charlie's the kid, isn't he? Charlie, yeah. He actually cares for Charlie very much. You'll notice when... I don't know if you noticed, when Charlie comes home after he's gone missing for a bit, yeah. uh, it's actually uh, Neil who comes out and hugs him first. Right. Like, he almost runs into the hallway and scoops him up, and he's like, oh, God, I'm so glad you're okay. Yeah. Whereas the mum kind of just casually walks out like, oh, oh, oh my son's back. back. Um, that kidnapping didn't last long. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> but then it, it then goes hard in another direction where it's trying to make him the villain of the film. Yeah. It didn't need a villain. No, and it's that's another thing where I think that was a sensibility that was very big, especially in the 80s and the 90s. Of And, and to be fair, it's a thing that goes right back to fairy tales. Step-parents are evil. Yeah. That goes all the way back, doesn't it, to like yeah. Cinderella with the it's wicked stepmother. Like, yeah, yeah, it's usually a stepmother, but in this case, stepfather. I suppose that. I suppose that's slightly more progressive, that it's the father that's the problem, yeah. not the stepmother. But what I'm saying yeah. is that the more progressive thing was the, actu was the bits where it's representing him as an actual loving... Yeah. You yeah. know, someone who wants to be part of this family. Yeah, rather than someone to be defeated. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that's why I, I am glad the film doesn't end with like, oh, I'm leaving you to go back with Scott. I'm glad because that would be all that would invalidate the whole film. Yeah. To be honest. Yeah. Um, that would be a terrible choice of ending for this film. It would be. Um, and yeah, I agree with you on that. But I do think the one nearly the nearly is definitely the character where this script is the weakest. And it needed a bit more going over and polishing. Yeah, if you were going to add any time to this, because it's only 97 minutes. Yeah. If you were going to up it to, say, 110, you'd want to spend all that time on Neil. Oh, you wouldn't even need to in- increase the time scale, I don't think. They just needed to nail, nail down what they wanted Neil to be. Mm. Because he does flip-flop. There's points where he's just like... There's pits where it seems Tim Allen's character is being unreasonable. There's bits where Neil seems to be unreasonable, and that's fine. Yeah. But then there's points where Neil is very unreasonable, mm. like demanding that basically Tim Allen's character is cut off from the child. Mm. And it's like, dude, this isn't your kid. Yeah. Like, this but... is, and it's wait, and it also it doesn't make any sense as to when he does it. And yeah. then there's also bits later where, when it's revealed that Tim Allen is the Santa Claus of the mm. film, um, Neil is like. He sort of gets flip flopped between belief and disbelief. Uh, yeah, and I think it almost yeah. works. It almost works because yeah. the idea is obviously he's a psychiatrist. Yeah, so he's approaching he's approaching the situation with a professional mindset, not a parental mindset. Yes. And he's looking at this and going, well, this is a delusion. Santa doesn't exist. As a psychiatrist, I should treat this delusion. He then goes too far in that. And I think all you need is an extra scene or two that just kind of pinpoints what it is. And they they do hint at it because they hint that he hasn't believed in Santa since he was three. Something like that, yeah. What you need is for him to have a slightly more traumatic Christmas backstory. Yeah. Which is why he goes above and beyond his psychiatric yeah. duties. And that's why this, the fact that he's that he thinks Tim Allen's pretending, quote-unquote, to be Santa Claus... Is dangerous. Yeah. Because the, he's ha- he clearly thinks it's dangerous. Like, yeah, yeah. physically dangerous. Yeah, I agree. If they'd given him a sort of stronger reason to be averted... Because uh, at first, it's just like... The other thing that doesn't work as well, actually, is the in the, in the beginning... The kid Charlie gets dropped off at Tim Allen's, and like the kids basically like, "Mom, do I have to stay?" You know, blah blah blah. The next morning, after they've had their first trip with the Santa Claus thing, um, the kids just immediately like, "Oh my God, we had the best night! Oh, we went to the North Pole!" Blah blah. Yeah. He's talking. He about only some... he only loves his dad now because his dad is Santa Claus. Yeah, <laughs> that's not a good thing. But mostly, it's the fact that he's talking about what a wonderful time he had at his dad's and immediately the mum is basically like really you're filling his head with nonsense and then they to the point where they pull him into the principal's office at school and they're sitting there going what did you do with him that night it's like I read him a book and he's like what book did you read it's like night before Christmas you left me a bunch of fiction books for children what are you it's like you can't moan at me for telling it. Even if they, even if he did lie to him and told him a fictional Santa Claus narrative before bedtime, right? Yeah. Even if that was what happened, he was reading him a fiction book anyway, and a fiction book that that bitch left at his house. Yeah. So, b- piss off with that. Like, clearly, he's allowed to tell him fictional fantasy stories, mm. and now you're bollocking him for one. Yeah. 
it, it came out of nowhere too yeah, fast. Yeah, it, it jumps into it too fast, clearly. I think just because it's trying to get the narrative going, and therefore that bit ends up feeling a little bit... Rushed. Rushed, and a little bit like they've just jumped a step. Yep. Um, but yeah, and I, I think it makes sense the way it ends with him, with Judge Reinhold's character, where, like you say, he's flip-flopping. Cause it, and to me, it's a good piece of acting from Judge Reinhold, because you can almost see the inner child wanting to believe and the adult part of his brain wrestling it down and being like, no, no, we have to stay factual and logical. There's no such thing as Santa Claus. Yeah, no, to be fair. Also, also I I have to say, what sort of cojones do you have to have as a parent when you call your son Judge? Judge Reinhold, yeah. It's a bit of a weird name, isn't it? Yeah. Do you think they were disappointed he didn't grow up to be a judge? But then his name would have been Judge Judge Reinhold. As far as Christmas films go, I know you said you weren't super au fait with Christmas movies. No. Between STC and VGMP this year, I've probably watched more Christmas movies this year than I've watched in the rest of my life combined. So this year... I've seen things... I've seen the animated ones when I was younger, like... I think there was a Wallace and Gromit one, but there was definitely things like um, the Snowman yeah. and stuff like Wallace that. Wallace and Gromit. I don't know if there is a specifically a Christmas Wallace and Gromit. Wallace and Gromit used to be on every Christmas. Yeah, in the that's 90s. what I think I'm because I think I'm thinking of the wrong trousers. Which that's the one with, is that the one with the killer penguin? Yeah, but uh, that's no, the one no, I always remember. Yeah, I think there is snow in it, but I don't. It's definitely not Christmas yeah. specific. Uh, is there not presents in that? There might be. There might be. Yeah, I can't. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, I watched a lot of the animated sort of stuff. For Christmas, but I didn't really watch oh, Christmas what movies. What sort of animated Christmas movies? Oh, you mean just Christmas? You mean yeah, animated like, movies you watch at Christmas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things like The Snowman. Things that aren't on the right. rest of the year. Because oh, right, they okay. would be weirdly out of place to reckon, play them in August. Do you reckon they have The Snowman in America? It's a very British thing, isn't it? I imagine them. It seems so big to us that it must be, but to be fair... Like they, how big Thanksgiving is in America? They must go. Oh, surely everyone celebrates Thanksgiving, and yeah. literally no one else in the universe does. Yeah, it's just America. Uh, Canada, you have Canadian Thanksgiving. Oh as yeah, well. yeah, yeah. But that's just America. They're right. With a fancy they're name. Uh, so Christmas films. So so far, like this year, we've watched Home Alone, Serendipity, which isn't really a Christmas film, Last Christmas, and Jingle All the Way. Yep. We watched Eight Bit Christmas over on VGMP. Yep. Uh, a film no one will have heard of. Um, what uh, what other Christmas films have you seen? Have you seen Scrooged? I think we're going to do Scrooge nope. next year. Um, have you seen any of the Christmas Carol? There's a billion versions of Christmas Carol. Probably have you seen, seen any one once. I saw the Blackadder Christmas special. Oh, what's that about? I think it's basically a take. It, from what I recall, it's a take on the Winter Armistice. No, it. it I think it's a take on basically um a christmas carol but instead what happens is the blackadder in this particular in the modern era is actually a really nice guy and but he's like he's he's treated like shit Mm. and he goes back through history and sees all the asshole versions of himself and where how sometimes the ones that succeed like the one in uh, the third season actually kind of succeeds by taking over the prince's throne um things like that and he's got Oh, I see what I've been doing wrong. I've been too nice. Mm. And it has like the opposite message where right. he becomes an asshole in the present day in order to get more money and more power and status for himself. Yeah. Um, 
but again, that's a Christmas special. That's not actually a Christmas, Christmas movie. movie. Yeah. I haven't. I, I think I once saw a Muppets Christmas Carol, but I think I, I don't. I remember hated on, that. I, I almost don't remember anything about it, and. I think I've been told more. About, I can't tell if I've actually seen it or not because <laughs> everyone keeps telling me about it. Really? So I can't recall if I've because I don't remember much of Michael Caine, no. who is the main actor in yeah. it. So I, I don't think I've actually I'm seen it. Same, it's just though. people telling me the bits so I, much. I know I've seen it. I know I've sat down and watched it when I was a little boy. Mm. Because I remember very vividly that was back when we had a little CRT TV on a bracket. In the corner of our, there was a weird time in the you UK. You bracketed your TVs. Well, you bracketed mm. your TV up in the top corner of your room. Yes. Look, I'm glad that wasn't just my family. Like it was a fucking CCTV camera. Yeah. We I, didn't do that in my house, but I saw that so many times in other people's. Yeah, homes. it was a weird thing we did in our dining room. So we had our main yeah. TV, which we were not allowed to touch. That was Dad's. Right. And he bought a little CRT that he put on a little bracket that came... It was literally like a metal arm that came out yeah. the corner and there was a little tray that the TV sat. Yep. I was always convinced the TV was going to fall yeah. because this bracket did not look even close to strong no. enough to hold the weight of a CRT. Somehow they always and, held. And our, <laughs> our walls in our house were not that strong because right. one year my dad put a punching bag up on the wall right. on a bracket, punched it once. I don't... I'm not. My dad's not super strong or anything. Put it up punched it once and the wall collapsed like a whole great big chunk of yeah. plaster and brickwork just came down Ooh. and it was like well better not do that again anyway um i remember we because we used to sit on the dining room table there were no chairs so we used to sit on the dining room table and look up at this screen and we, that's where we watched spice world for the first time as well right and um we watched muppets christmas carol and i remember hating it Right. And finding it really boring. So I only paid attention to a... Ba I think I paid attention up to where Jacob Marley's ghost turns up. Right. And I don't think I've seen it past that. Yeah. You see, I, I, I'm fairly certain I've watched next to no Christmas movies. Okay. Um, because I, I don't give a single solitary stuff. Mm. Um, being quite honest with you. Um, 8-Bit Christmas was the one that I sort of went maybe it'll be a Christmas movie for Rory that I'll really enjoy and I well you'll you'll hear my opinion on that if you go to VGMP and listen to yeah. it um, the, the closest there is is Die Hard and I love Die Hard but I you know it, it it's a Christmas movie because it's set at Christmas yeah. but it's I like it because it's a a movie it, not because it, it's, it's Christmas it's as much of a Christmas movie as Serendipity is yeah yeah, Which is, easy. it's not, but it's set at Christmas. Yeah, uh, and to be honest, like it's good because it's a good movie. It's not good because it's a Christmas movie. Yeah. Or even a good Christmas movie, because obviously there's meant to be certain themes to Christmas movies that... Yeah, well, it's usually just like about family, or yeah. hope, or joy, Yeah. or being a good person. Yeah. Just basic morality stuff, basically. Sure, sure. Um, um, but there's always meant to be a certain level of magic to it, which Die Hard does not have magic in it. But yeah, so back to the Santa Claus, wrapping up the Santa Claus. Yeah. Um, this held up for me. Um, mm. It's it's obviously not a top 10 movie, uh, or even top 100 movie, uh, but it's, it's a pretty solid Christmas film, actually, this. Uh, it has enough heart in it that I was interested the whole way through. 
Uh, it has enough of that magic feel that I was interested the whole way through. Um, and I, I, I was emotionally involved, which is good. I'm not sure necessarily that I could say the same for the sequels. Um, well, we won't until until we see them. Yeah. I'm sure we will eventually. But for this first one, uh, I think this holds up quite well. Um, and I definitely think you could do a lot worse with your Christmas viewing if you wanted to watch a Christmas film. Yeah, um, this was one of those ones that I never really wanted to see. Um, but it's not as bad as I thought it would be. I don't think I would ever watch this again unless I had a kid. I might. To be fair, if I had a kid, my I think I think that's the thing. If you have a kid, what you watch with your kid would be different to what you'd watch if you're like us, lonely single men at Christmas. Are you claiming I wouldn't show my kids zombie strippers? This is why I'm not having kids because I would inflict actual psychological damage to them. Fair enough. Hey, um, here's Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, if I had a kid, I might show them this film because yeah. it was it's an enjoyable enough time. It's not badly made. It's not, mm. you know, yeah. I I I enjoyed it on that level, but it as I am, it explicitly tells kids not to jump off the roof. It does indeed, but I I don't. As I am at this moment, I would not watch this again. No, it's it's it was good enough for once. It's not a bad film, but I'd only really watch it if you've got kids. Over and done for you. Yeah. Um, to be fair, that's better than most of the movies we've watched during this Christmas. <laughs> this Christmas season, the number of films we've watched that are Christmas related. I, I don't know. I think it's gone all right. Home Alone we both liked. Home Alone's good. Last Christmas you liked. Yes, I did like Last Christmas. Serendipity you hated. <laughs> with a passion uh, Jingle All The Way I think we were Jingle All The Way is sort kind of, of just there on like we were like oh yeah. it's okay it's I, d- I don't think I'd watch Chris- Jingle All The Way again no I don't know if I'd ever watch it again Yeah, it's not really funny enough to 8-Bit Christmas I'm glad I've seen but I wouldn't watch that ever again no um, and I don't think I'd watch this ever again yeah. so like there was one film I liked and it was that I really liked and it was it was just because it was a, a kind of a more adult magic because that's yeah. not really one for kids. Yeah. Um. So and and it, so I think my where I am in life influences that. Yeah. Because if I had a kid, I wouldn't show them that film. Yeah. Because I think they'd be bored and going, "Why am I watching two adults fall in love?" Yeah. You know, it, it, but I'd show them this. Yeah. And I'd probably show them. I don't know if I'd show them Eight Big Christmas because it was really boring. Yeah. Um. But I would probably show them. Uh, I'd definitely show them Home Alone. Oh yeah. 100%. Um. And yeah, I'd watch Home Alone myself. Actually, fuck it. I'd watch Home Alone again. Uh, next year, I'm hoping we do uh, some sequels because there's plenty of sequels to Christmas yeah, films. Yeah. We, we, we're gonna do. The plan is to do all Christmas in December again. Yeah. Um. Probably Home Alone two at the very least. Home Alone. Home two. Alone two. Because Santa my, Claus because two. Because a lot of my memory is that Home Alone two is better. Oh, really? That's my memory, though. I'm not sure if that's right. Um, I want to try and do at least one of the Christmas carols as well. I know that um, Home Alone 2 is the one where the Mega Drive game was very different to yeah. the, the Nintendo game. I um, the, My favourite version of Christmas Carol, but I've really struggled to get a copy of it, is the 1970 version, which is called Scrooge. It's just called Scrooge. It's got out. Isn't Scrooge the one with Bill Murray? That's Scrooged. Oh. So he did one in the 90s. I think it's the early 90s called Scrooged, which I've never seen. Uh, The 1970 one, which is just called Scrooge, has got Albert Finney in it. 
Right. Um, and I quite like that one. It, it is a musical. Right. But it's... It all it dif- it differs from the Charles Dickens book a little bit, in that you actually get it, it's long. It is about two hours and ten minutes. I mean, I've, because they, I've sat through Kurosawa's mate. That's yeah, fine. because unlike in the book, you actually get to see Scrooge go to hell oh, wow. for a little while, <laughs> and there's also the best song in it when the ghost of because you obviously know the Christmas Carol story. When the ghost of Christmas future takes him into the future, um, there's a big crowd in the street, and they're having some sort of party, and he wanders in, and they're all giving speeches, and this guy starts singing a song called "Thank You Very Much." Thank you very much. That's the nicest thing that anyone's ever done for me. And he ends up joining in and following this parade as they're all parading down the streets of London to arrive at a cemetery only to realise he's joined in his own funeral and they're all singing thank you very much because they're glad he's dead. Oh, damn. Yeah. Something I've just been thinking about, um, the reason that it sort of occurred to me that there's a, a... You know the Back to the Future trilogy? Yes. The third one, which is pretty much everyone agrees, is the worst worst of the trilogy. But for some Um, reason, it's the one that's always on TV, according to Joe. He says that one is always on TV. Probably because it's cheaper to get the rights for. Um, But the... (laughs) It just kind of occurred to me something that... I know this may not have been at all in uh, anyone's mind when they made the film, but... The first one is based on the past. Mm. The second one is the present, because they go into the future and they come back to the present, and it's the wrong present, isn't it? Where Biff Tannen has gotten all sorts of power. The third one should have been in the future, Mm. because then you've got the ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future, but it wouldn't have been Christmas necessarily, but you know what I mean? That, I just realised why that didn't fit right, because they went past, present, further past. Yeah. Which seems like an odd progression. Um, yeah, I, I just realised that that might be part of the reason why that trilogy doesn't. Because maybe we need to go back in time and fix Back to the Future Three. <laughs> yes, send them into. Anyway. But if we did that, you wouldn't get that famous picture in Resident Evil. Yeah, I can live without that bit. Yeah, it's really anyway, I think we've said all there is to say today. Yeah, I reckon so. So I think we should wrap things up by just saying that we wish everyone a very Merry Christmas if you are celebrating Christmas. And if not, we wish you a great week anyway. Uh, we hope you are spending time with your loved ones if you're able to. Uh, and if you're not, we hope that you're okay and that you're having a nice time doing whatever it is that you like to do. Uh, we will be back after Christmas. Uh, we've got an episode just before Christmas, which will be this one. And then we're not doing one, because I think our next one should be Boxing Day. I'm not doing an episode on Boxing Day, because who wants to listen to us talk on Boxing Day? We will be coming back the last week of December with our season finale, which is Space Jam. Yes. And then we will be returning to your ears in 2024 with season two we've got lots of special guests lined up for season two and a lot more movies uh and it should be very exciting i hope so until then 
This is Jamie Evans wishing you a very Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everyone, and have a wonderful New Year.